0: What's up everybody, and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a hundred million dollar enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of OneClick Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, my name is Tim Kroll, and
1: I'm the co-host focused on the topic of leadership here on the B2B Made Simple podcast. We have an exciting conversation coming, so let's not waste any time and jump right in. Brand culture. Man, today I am super excited to talk with Torlando. Uh, we were talking in the green room and I, I'm, I'm hesitant because I'm like, I wanna be careful because I don't wanna spill the beans too much, but I'm actually really excited about this conversation. Uh, just talking about how brand culture can help out with marketing, how it can help out with your own, your own personal culture, your own brand. I mean like there's so many things and I'm tripping over my tongue with all these words because I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. So I gotta slow down, take a breath, take a pause. And introduce Tolando because, again, like I said, I'm super excited. I'm almost too excited. That I can't even get out of my own way. <laughs> so Tolando man, welcome. Um, and just for our audience, Torlando, you are the business developer with per- Periodic which is a site, and I'll let you explain it, but basically allows people to help schedule their calendars, keep track of their time, really, really awesome stuff. The business developer, but basically you're there all for the marketing, for the sales. That's what you do right now. And like I said to you earlier, I mean, I know your background is so much bigger because you've owned your own business, you've written a book, Uh, you've got so much experience, you've got so many cool things going on. But welcome. Welcome. We'll get started with that, I guess. (laughs) I'm
2: I'm great. I'm I'm really glad to be here, Tim. Uh, I I appreciate the invite and uh, happy birthday, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I know that it's your birthday and, and, uh, you know...
1: Yeah, the, the thing is, we're going to record this and everybody's going to hear like, oh, it's his birthday. And then I'm going to get messages after we post it a month from yeah, now. Yeah, that's why I said like, that. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: right, I know so you're, it was... you're trying to clear out all those notifications. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to do it again.
1: Right. So November 30th is my birthday, just so we're clear to everybody listening. But um, uh, Toyota, can you kind of share, because I always like doing this at the very beginning. Is just going kind to of give us a, a little bit of your journey um, and what has brought you because I, I we do definitely want to dive into this topic and kind of break this apart about the brand culture and how it applies to marketing and leadership and all that. but I want to know about you what what was your journey like? How did you get to this space? What were some things that you learned, some challenges you overcame things like that
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure so uh, my my professional career started. Uh, while I was still in college, uh, I, I have a a bachelor's of fine arts in, in, uh, digital art and, uh, you know, realizing that at the time it was very difficult to even quantify what you could do with that professionally, (laughs) less so now, but, (laughs) but at the time. That's when your parents are like, what are you doing? (laughs) 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 I mean, I, I had no idea. Like, how do I, how do I sell this work? Do I create a DVD? Like I, I had no idea. Uh, you know what, digital art could become, but I, I knew that there was something there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so uh, that's what I studied. But while I was in college, I started a, a painting company. And uh, just you know, just to really put myself through college, uh, I was I was working for another guy, and and it was uh, 2008, the middle of the Great Recession, and he said, "Torlando, to I I I can't do this anymore. I gotta, I'm gonna go back to school." And he ended up getting an MBA, hmm. and he said, "If I get any more phone calls, I'll pass them along to you." And so you know, here I was, this uh, you know, 22, 23 year old, uh, and I started a house painting company in college, and when I graduated. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I just really didn't know how to, to monetize my degree at all. And so I stuck with painting and I, and I stuck with that for a really, really long time. Uh, over a decade, I ran that business and, wow. uh Uh, But, you know, during that time, that kind of became my second education Uh, because I because I took on, you know, once I once I figured out the painting stuff and like how to do it, how to do a good job, how to train other people, how to do it, how to get them to serve the customer in the same way that I wanted them to. Then I would just kind of systematically take on the different roles that were essential for running a business. So taking on sales, taking on marketing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I started delegating myself out of all the stuff that I liked. And I just left myself with the stuff that wasn't fun at all. Oh. And, that, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think people do that. I, yeah. I really do. Because, you know, you have the interest, you, you, you have the experience. and And therefore, you know how to teach it. And so you hand it off. And then you for some reason think you have to have your hands in the thing that you don't really understand. Mm. And for me, that was like, you know, business finances and administration, just stuff that was not suited for an artist, you know, just mm. didn't make sense at all for me to hold on to that. But I, that's what I held on to
1: Yeah, Can I, and, I pause you on that one? Because I, yeah. I, what you just expressed, I would say there are so many individuals, so many business owners, CEOs, people that are out there that struggle with that exact topic. In fact, I might just have to have you back just so we can talk about that one topic rather than the other one, because that I'm sure is a wealth of information. So maybe at some time in the future, but thank you for sharing that. Cause I love it when people share out of their hardships and out of their, their pain of what you're doing. So keep going though, but great, great stuff.
2: Yeah. So, so basically that was uh, that was my job for the last, you know, three years, maybe just kind of the stuff that I, didn't like and uh, and I had some other stuff going on. I had I had a really hard 2019. People I know people have had a, a hard uh, 2020. My 2019 was that was the dumpster fire. That was the the straw that broke the camel's back. I had some hard stuff going on at home. Uh, you know my, my family split and uh, and I just you know I just became a shell of a human for a little while. And so uh, I I decided that I I really wasn't happy in my career. And, uh, and, and my life was just really having a hard time in, in many other places. And so I decided to do a hard reset. And, hmm. uh, and I knew that I, I loved this, uh, this marketing stuff. I knew I loved talking to people. I loved having conversations. Uh, I loved building you know, brand and culture and all that kind of stuff. And so I found uh, one, of my, one of my vendors actually for my painting company was this company called Periodic and we use them to schedule our estimates so we we integrated uh the product the the app um into our website so that people could go online uh they could get an idea of what the price what the job is going to cost and then they could book an estimate to have a a salesperson go out and uh, take measurements and and complete the sale so i had been working with them um, they being my vendor for a handful of years and we had ambitions to to be able to scale my company uh you know to to i mean i i put i put on my whiteboard 75 million dollars because that's the size of a painting company that i wanted to have Mm. and uh and and we were going to do it uh through this platform uh but with all that stuff that just kind of came crashing down on me and me needing to to find a place to to set my feet on firm ground um, we just, you know, I reached out and said, Hey, what if, uh, what if we did some of this together? And I, and I started to help you guys, uh, formalize your marketing program and your sales program. And, and we all thought that would be a great idea. The board thought it was a good idea. And so, yeah, I, I got brought on, uh, earlier this year as the director of business development.
1: Man, there's so much stuff there that I wish we could have had time to unpack, but I, let me just touch on a couple of things briefly. Number one is I am, I'm proud of you for being able to say that you had to do a hard reset. There's very few people are willing to do that. Very few, few people are willing to live authentically and come to terms and say, I have to do that. So let me be the first one. If nobody said that, I'm proud of you for doing that. Cause that's a hard thing to do. Thank you. Second, second thing is the fact that as you look at this people, business owners, CEOs, everybody that, that really listens to this type of a podcast, they always look at it and say, there's a separation between a business and personal that is a false narrative, because things that happen in our personal lives will have a direct impact in our own businesses and the way that we make decisions, the way that we operate. There's just only so much energy, mental capacity that we have. And so again, I I recognize what you're saying there because I think everybody at some point in time has been there, so. Wow, there's so much stuff we could unpack, but let's talk about some of the things that you've learned through this that would apply to the brand culture and to the leadership components and then just how this branding culture would even apply as a marketing tool.
2: Yeah, for sure. So when I I came into the company, one of the things that I noticed immediately was that uh, we were trying to build a, a really cohesive culture. And internally, it made a lot of sense it it was fun it was uh it was just great to be around people that were uh, creative and you know forward thinking and and you know all these wonderful traits Uh, but our marketing program and sales program was very underdeveloped and you know i think you know the the, our company kind of had the same you know has had the same thing that that i you know that i dealt with where the ceo can do a ton of stuff uh and so he's doing a lot of stuff and then he's kind of systematically delegating the things that he knows how to do the best and leaving you know some of the things on the table that uh, that he just has to figure out uh-huh. it's it's so so common and so the this marketing and sales program it, it was it was underdeveloped i'll i i have no problem you know saying that it was underdeveloped mm-hmm. and so I think where the company had struggled in the past is they were trying to bring somebody on who could uh, you know, forge that new path, but they were really the kind of people who needed a playbook. They needed some, something, You know, they needed processes and systems to follow rather than really being that trailblazer who could come in and say, I don't need a playbook, we're going we're gonna to discover our own, we're going to create our own and and that's just my personality, you know, having been, you know, the, uh, the CEO of my own company, having needed to, to trailblaze in so many other ways. Um, you know, that was something that, that I really, uh, for all the stuff that was going on in my personal life, that was something that I could firmly latch onto and say, this is something I can do. This is something mm-hmm. I can handle. And so, uh, the thing that really stuck out to us, to me, uh, was that we just had this wonderful brand culture. I mean, it was, It was it was hip. We we uh we there was a lot of there's a lot of food involved. Uh I'll I'll tell you what, man, if I knew how important food was to your company culture, I would have quadrupled our meals and entertainment budget at my former (laughs) company. I really would have. Uh because it's just it just means a lot to to be. Why why do you think
1: that is that way? That's an interesting I've never heard anybody say that food is equal to the brand culture. I've heard different components of that, but why would you say that food is a key element?
2: You know, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, there's something, there's something very equalizing about food. Uh There's something that, you know, when, when, when we are eating good food, especially that's something that everybody can relate to because we all have to do it. Um, It it takes away, I think for employees, it takes away a little bit of the stress and the need to think about that basic function, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, like having to spend your last, you know, thirty minutes or an hour to fund the lunch that you're about to have. You know, um, there's just something about it that that draws people together around food. You know, Greg Popovich, the the uh, coach of the San Antonio Spurs, he's he's rather famous, famously known for uh, always having a ton of team meals, coaches meals, uh, individual meals with with different players. Um, that guy never has a meal alone. He uh-huh. always has a dinner guest and that's where, that's where he bonds with his people and that's oh, where they I- have uh, real conversations. And I think, I think being able to have a conversation that isn't just, you know, brass tacks and nuts and bolts uh, but really being able to show who you are as a person, who you're as an in- individual, um, you, you start to build that relationship and that's what, that's what helps you. That's what helps you lead, lead. Mm. Um,
1: I was going to say, I find it super interesting because I traveled over to China and some of the Asian cultures, they will not do business with you unless they've shared a meal with you. Yeah. I mean, it's just part of their culture. And so by you saying that, it, it was kind of almost for me, almost a wake up call kind of a thing, because in our American culture, food is often an afterthought. It's something that you do on the fly where, right. you know, like, hey, I just need to grab a quick bite to eat and boom, you're in and out and gone and done. Um, but the Asian culture is not like that. That is, it's a process. It, and right. bringing up exactly what you just said, I think it's really important to hit on those key points. Number one, is it builds relationships, and it gives you that um, the foundation of knowing who that person is. It gives you a chance to listen. It gives you a chance to communicate ideas other than just the, like you said, the brass tacks of right. just the the tasks that need to get done. This is really more the, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. So. Now I don't know if you all are listening to this, but maybe you should just write it down because I think this is a this is a key that we've passed and we've skipped over in our American culture. We just like oh, it's just lunch is just a thing. We have to kind of how many I, I almost dare say the vast majority of my audience that's listening, most of them have probably skipped lunch today, especially if they're listening after the lunch hour, right? right? They probably right. just skipped right through it. But man, as an I've seen it as an opportunity to to lead and to build relationships. That is. That's huge. That's a huge mindset shift.
2: Yeah. So uh, one of my favorite books on leadership is, uh, is one that John Maxwell wrote called the five levels of leadership. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read this, but it's a, uh, it's a phenomenal book. Uh, he talks about the different levels and, and he says that at the first level, people lead through their position mm-hmm. and that is the worst place to lead from. Um, especially if you're like an incoming leader. Like if you're being hired from the outside right. and you come in and you say, well, this is my position. I'm, I'm the manager, or I'm the CEO, or I'm the, you know, I'm the boss. And that's why you have to do what I say. People resent that. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And, yep. and they can't get over that until you go to level two, which is leading from the relationship that you built. Yep. You have to start with that relationship and that's where people will, will start to kind of actually listen to you or do things because, uh, because they feel like you know they, they feel the camaraderie, they feel like they they kind of owe you something just for being yeah. a good person who cares about them, and so you know at a base level, uh, if you are trying to get somebody to 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 gain faith like just to do something and you can tell that they 're just doing it because uh, you 're the boss and they and they have to you uh, you 're never going to get the kind of performance that you want out of them, and so so you' got to build that relationship. Uh, that's, you know, that's the second level and there are more levels than that, uh, that that we won't get into, but, um, being able to build a relationship through food, through, through sharing a meal, um, especially when you, when you pay for that meal, uh, it, it just, it's just meaningful and impactful to a culture.
1: Mm.
2: A common problem we see in the B2B industry
0: is companies maxing out their marketing teams because they attempt to handle their website in-house. We see this all the time. From redesigns to regular maintenance, we know it's easy for your team to drown in the amount of work it takes to keep a website updated, secure, and current with the times. And let's face it, working on a website isn't that fun. The worst part, hiring a full-time developer to handle that workload can cost over $100,000 a year. Here at OneClick Agency, we build websites for B2B companies for just a fraction of that cost. Whether your website is five pages or 355 pages, our U.S.-based team of designers and developers can handle your website project with ease. If your team is totally capped and needs help with website maintenance or even a full redesign, visit OneClickAgency.com to get a quote today. Visit OneClickAgency.com so your marketing team can
2: get back to doing what they love. OneClickAgency.com. You know, I think, I think from there, my thought was, well, we, got, we got to share this with people. Yeah. You know, like, like there, there is something kind of special here at Periodic. And, uh, and it's, it's just, it's not like other work cultures. Um, you know, the, the, when the, when the pandemic hit, uh, instead of being really afraid about working from home, working, you know, not from home, uh, you know, out of the office, uh, we just, we immediately leaned into it. And, mm-hmm. it, and it, and it wasn't a, like a cost saving thing. Like, oh, now we don't have to, you know, pay much as much for like office space stuff like that it was, you know, there, there was an experiment forced on us, which was that we have to work from home. And then we just put out a survey and said, who, who wants to keep doing this and who wants to come in and let's just, let's just offer you the thing that's going to make you the most comfortable. When you I work. love that. Yeah. I love uh, that so much. <laughs> well, and, and so here's what happened. Uh, some people, decided that they wanted to stay home. And it, it just so happens that they're most productive at home. Mm. There were others who wanted to be in the office. And uh, and I was one of them because I'm an extrovert and I like I like <laughs> collaboration and I like talking to people. You yeah, know? yeah. But, but here's something that I noticed about myself is that if I spend too much time in the office and I don't have a couple days at home, uh, I'm not as productive. Because I'm, I am more likely to just start gabbing and 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 just you know shooting the breeze with people too much, but on the days that I know that I have to get something down and I, I have to just put my head down and get something done, I stay home. And there's so much, uh, like we've just we just have this this culture of autonomy and trust that we know that at the end of our that at the end of our sprint that people are going to come prepared with stuff that they've done with stuff that they completed, and we're going to get a release out. And, and it's going to be okay and it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be in alignment with what we wanted, but there's no, uh, there isn't just this like t- tight oversight uh, because, because the people that are here, we're, we're so engaged in what we're doing that we would, we would work just as hard at home or at the office. It doesn't matter because we're engaged with what we're doing. Uh, we, just, we just have enough trust and, and autonomy to do it where we want to. And so uh, I think that the distributed workforce is is proving itself to, to be effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I was just up in, in Michigan. You're in Michigan, right? Yeah. Yep. So I was, I was up in, in my hometown of Kalamazoo uh, visiting my, my aunt and uncle. My uncle uh, he's, he's uh, he's in the process of retiring. He's kind of doing his, his victory lap at a, at a company called uh, striker, but he's, he's an executive at striker. And uh, and he, he, he said that, that, that the you know that the results are in the distributed workforce it works and what they were what they were attempting to do before the pandemic hit is they were they were thinking about creating these innovation hubs in cities where they thought people would want to work. You know, it's like okay so if people want to live in Seattle then we will create an innovation hub in Seattle and if they want to work in Montreal we'll create a, an innovation hub in, in Montreal. Well the pandemic squashed that program. Mm. And they realize that the distributed workforce is is working. And so now they're reshaping how they, you know, how they hire, how they, you know, what, what kind of offers and what kind of benefits based on the fact that they can hire anybody all over the world and, and they can choose to stay home if they want. They can choose to stay. They don't have to, like, they don't have to be convinced to move. Right. Right. And so I think, I think building a culture uh, as, as much as anything is just, is just identifying what conditions under what conditions your people work the best and, and adapting your, your program to, to fit that.
1: Man, can we unpack that for a minute?
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me, you
1: gave me, there's three big concepts in there. And then I don't know if we're even going to have time to cover all of this stuff, but just almost to the point of how, how do we do this thing? So number one said that the fact that the leadership had to trust its employees, that's a big, big topic. And Mm -hmm. how do you learn how to trust? How do you build trust? Number two is your company showed empathy in the fact that you're like, okay, if you do what's comfortable for you, and I want to make sure that you guys feel safe and that you feel cared for and you're protected, so do what's good for you. And I love that because it shows so much empathy. In fact, that is uh, Gallup poll did a, did a, a research on what was one of the, I think they came up with four things that people want from leadership. The number one thing was they want empathy.
0: Mm-hmm. They also
1: want hope and vision, but they want empathy. They want to know that their leaders care for them. And then the last one that you kind of brought up as far as all of that, uh, leaning into it was the time management aspect. And making sure that you're still productive. So there's this balance between, hey, we want to care for you, but yet we still need to have this culture of production. But from a leadership standpoint, we're going to trust that you're going to do the right thing and you're going to produce. So, man, as a leader, how do I do that? How do I get to that stage? How do I build that kind of a culture? There's so many questions there. But I'm just curious to see some of your experiences on whichever topic you want to dive into, wherever you want to go with it.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, so let's just let's just take that last one, right? The, the, like, how do you how do you gain that trust? Um, I I can tell you from you know not only from running my own company, but you know experiencing it in this company, is it's it all comes down to getting the right people on the bus and getting the right the wrong. Yeah, bus.
1: Jim Collins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right,
2: like it it really is. Uh, you uh-huh. you just have to you just have to be really good about about getting the right people on, and and if they if they aren't the right fit. Um, you you got to be good and and okay with getting them off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing that when I, I, I can't remember how long ago this was, but the first time I had to fire an employee, it was, uh, it was a devastatingly hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what's worst about it is that the reason that he had to go uh, was at least half of half of it was at least my fault mm-hmm. uh, because I, did not provide the training. I was holding on to certain aspects of the job and thinking that I was the only one that could do it. And so when he got faced with having to do the task and, and, and he chunked it, you know, he did, did a bad job. Um, that was, that was really on me because I just, I thought that I was the only person in the company who could do that. Right. Right. Uh, but even that, you know, notwithstanding he just wasn't happy. Mm. Wasn't happy doing the work that, that we were doing. He didn't want to be a painter. Uh, he wanted to do something else. And when I finally said, okay, I'm sorry, this just isn't going to work. Um, uh, you know, it was hard. It was a blow. Like, and, and we were also friends, like it was an early hire. So, so yeah. I had he was a friend and, and he'd been working for me for three years. And, and, but, but he just, at the end of the day, He just wasn't happy and he was meant for something better, like truly. And, and today he's actually like a famous graphic designer. He's like really good Mm. and he's, and he's doing his calling. But what I needed to realize earlier than, than what it took is that he wasn't happy and he would, and and he wasn't going to be the one to, to quit. There's, Mm -hmm. there just wasn't a a catalyst. Um, But by, by, by letting him go, it was it was actually this this act of of uh, of allowing him to to pursue what what he needed to pursue, yeah. and, you know, and that's not always the case, right? There 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 are people who really need the job and they need an opportunity to to uh, get better or to improve or to find a different you know find a different seat on the bus, so to speak. Uh, but in that case, letting him go actually gave him the freedom to to be who he needed to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's a really important point. Um, And that goes back to the point of empathy, because you're, and I actually read a book, it was called Servant. It was called The Servant. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that they said is, as a servant leader, you don't meet their wants, you meet their needs. What do mm-hmm. they need from you as a leader? Which goes right back to exactly what you're saying here. That individual needed to have the freedom to be able to move to something that he was called to do, yeah. which is empathy. Uh, that's the part of caring for the people and helping them meet their needs. And even though they may not realize it at the time and they may not like you, giving them the confidence to be able to move forward into what they're called is really, really powerful.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, business, it just, it just gets easy when you have really good people. And it's really hard when you have the wrong people.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: You know, and so 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 much of of allowing yourself to 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 give up control, to give autonomy to to people, to do good at their job. Like I, I mean, I fundamentally believe that people want to be good at what they do, um, and and as soon as they find that thing that lights them up, they're going to be great at it. Uh, yeah, and, absolutely and so, they, so you just have to find in. those people right you just have to find those people and and building a culture and and, and uh, marketing it and and showing it into the world like showing your culture showing the things that you do that's what attracts that talent uh, but but not only that it, it makes your brand something that people want to associate with right yeah. and even even customers even customers want to associate with your brand when they know that it represents who they are.
1: Right. Exactly. They're attracted to that. and almost becomes more of a tribal feeling rather than anything else.
2: And that's, it's 100% yeah. tribal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, that's one of the things that I've, I've been really invested in and, in, and just really critically thinking about as a, as a marketer is how do I invite people, our customers into our culture? You know, how, do, how do I make them so, enamored uh, with our brand that they want to be a part of it how in in whatever way they can so uh, what
1: ways have you found then uh, maybe this is a great transition into some practical application because i mean we've talked about the reasons why brand and why branding and culture is so important what the powerful how powerful it is not only for your employees uh for your company but also for your own personal brand so how how do you invite people in to partake and become part of your tribe
2: yeah yeah So they're, they're kind of, you know, and and this is right now, this is the great experiment. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm testing different things and I'm, you know, in in some areas I'm succeeding in some areas I'm failing a little bit. Um, And so it's, it's really a great, a great experiment. But one thing that I know is that uh, conversation is, is one of the linchpins, uh, being able to have a, a conversation with somebody a one to one conversation or even one to a few maybe like even in a group uh setting uh that that is that is instrumental in uh in in finding brand re- relatability because the, the the way that culture works it's it culture is built up of uh identity pieces mm-hmm. and every person has a personal identity and then every culture has a cultural identity. And what makes you want to be a part of a culture is if there's enough alignment with your personal identity and the identity of the culture. Right. Um, You know, so, so, and, and we find this in a lot of, a lot of places, you know, we find this in religion, we find it in schools, we find it uh, in, in family, Uh, We find it in in Facebook groups, you know, Uh, I, you know, I was part of a, as when I was a paint contractor, I was part of a a Facebook group for paint contractors that, um, you know, it was, it was probably the only place that I could have a civil conversation about politics. Uh, Not because I agreed with anybody, because I vastly don't, but because we had this bond, which is this symbolic tool, it was just the brush, mm-hmm. right? And I, was, and I was able to have these, you know, it's like, okay, uh, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a BLM guy and, and then the, the guy, the other guy is an all lives matter guy. And I'm trying to convince him why I think that that's, you know, that's not the, quite the right way to think about it. And he's trying to convince me, you know, verse first, and it doesn't matter where our listeners fall on this. What, what's, what matters here is, is how we came together. And it, and it goes back to that empathy. When when I was able to say, okay, you're saying these things online, and I and I guarantee you that that people are really frustrated with you, uh, and I'm sure what you mean isn't what they're receiving. Mm-hmm. And he and he says to me, Torlando, to what I mean and what they're hearing is night and day. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't <laughs> understand why everybody's so mad at me. And I said, I hear you, I hear you, that is, that's, I can't imagine. Let's have a conversation about this, right? And so we had. We started to unpack and we started to have this conversation. And, and by the end of it, the light bulb went off. He said, oh, I get it, I, I, I understand now. And, uh, and, and, he, be, and, he, and he just kind of turned his tune and, and, and started being more empathetic towards, towards my side. And then, and then from that conversation, what I realized was that, Oh, he's, he's, he's a great person. Yeah. He cares about these things. Uh, but we're just using, we're just using different language. Yeah, And yep. Uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> we're just using It's different so language.
1: powerful because we're dealing with that right now here in Michigan. And I'm sure you're aware they just yeah. shut us down for another three weeks. Right. And on one side we have individuals that are like, this is necessary to prevent the spread. On the other hand, we have another side of it where the true cost of being shut down for a business owner means that they are going to lose their business and they're right. having to make hard decisions. Right. Both sides attempting to be empathetic in, in the way that they're thinking about it, but yet communicating on two different levels and communicating right. on two different topics. But they both have that empathy because one of them is trying to care for this group and one of them is trying to care for this group. Right. And then coming together, it's like, unfortunately right now, like you said, the conversation 100% is the linchpin. If you right. can't have a conversation, you'll never be able to understand the other side. You'll never be able to understand where somebody's coming from, where the perspective. And that's why I love being able to talk about the journey. I want to know about yeah. your journey because it helps me understand why you use this word versus another word.
2: Right. No, exactly. I, uh, there's a, there's a, a quote that's that's attributed to Nelson Mandela, but I, I think that he might have said it a little right. bit different. <laughs> differently. Right. Um, but basically, how it goes is is if you speak to a man uh, in your language, it will go to his head. But if you speak to him in his language, mm-hmm. it will go to his heart. Right. And so I think there's so much of this conversation piece, which is, can I listen? Enough to this person, can I have enough empathy so that I know the words to use to speak to his heart? Because if I just come in fast and I and I come in hard with my sight, with with my you know, with my perspective, yep. he's gonna understand the words that I'm saying. He he might he might even be able to follow the the logic, but he's in his mind, he's formulating a rebuttal. And and so the the point for him now is to formulate a stronger rebuttal which will just go to his head if he can get that out it just goes to his head but if you if you can listen and if you can have this personal exchange then then you you have a sincere conversation and now you've got the relationship to be able to collaborate together and that's and that's really the that's in marketing and sales that's really what sales needs to be it needs to be a collaboration. We need to rally around the same problem. You know, it, it starts with a crisis, a problem. We need to rally around that. And we need to say, okay, this is the tool set that I'm working with. This is the tool set that you're working with. How can we use these things together to solve this problem in a way that is going to be better for everybody in the world?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I use this phrase all the time. It's one of the things that I feel is very... Uh, appropriate at this exact moment is you need to meet the people where they're at. That means on the conversation level, on the thinking level, you've got to be able to meet them where they're at. Otherwise, you'll never be able to convince them to move to a better spot or you may be convinced to move to their spot. You have to be able to meet them where they're at. The one little caveat that I've seen this happen a couple of different times is you have to meet them authentically. Because if you don't meet them authentically, then it's almost like you're talking down to them and you're minimizing their position. So you have to be authentic and meet them where they're at. But, man, we're actually uh, going really long. So um, we're going to have to kind of start wrapping this up. What would be one thing that you, out of all of our conversations, and maybe it is this part of the conversation, you know, the conversation being the linchpin. uh, Mm -hmm. But what would be the one thing that you would want the audience to take away? Uh, something that if they they missed everything else just pause for a second this is the one thing that I want you to hear from me and be able to implement
2: yeah um, i I think I think it's the conversation piece mm. you know i I have seen um, you know there's there's a lot of great success that can come from automating everything and making the transaction as frictionless and 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 you know, not as, as human as, as possible. Uh, but I don't think that there certain, that doesn't work for everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think the more expensive your offer is, the more people need to talk to people yep. and, and when that happens, people are a- automatically put on guard, right? If you, if you have a sales body within your, uh, you know, within your company, um, that salesperson is seen as somebody. It, they're seen as a as a traveler who is coming to steal my precious resources, mm-hmm. right? If you're sending out a, a an email, a cold email, a cold call, it's always what is this person trying to take from me? And that and that is tribal mechanics working. That's tribal defense mechanisms working. Mm-hmm. But if you can change your uh, your your culture to be one that is all about uh, inclusion and conversation and bridge building and and making peace offers. If you start there, um, then people actually want to talk to you. And and if you can rally around a crisis or rally around a problem, and and your salespeople or your marketing team becomes more of more of a, a problem solver than a. Uh, demonstrator of what you do but but they just sit down and and start to have a conversation where we listen and we listen and we listen and then we say ah i know exactly how to help you right that's that's where that's where things change that's where your culture that's where people want to start being a part of of the of the culture that you're building
1: yeah absolutely love it all right so two final questions um one you've got kind of two things going on because you've got your own personal brand. And I love, I see you show up all over the place with your own personal brand, but you also have periodic. So if people want, maybe we separate those two things out. If they want to get in touch with you as a personality, as a leader, as a person, how would they get in touch with you directly? And then also possibly, you know, they're looking at this periodic and I want to learn a little bit more about the scheduling. Cause you talked briefly about that. How would they learn more about that? So two separate things, but I think they're combined.
2: Yeah. And, and I can, I can very easily combine them. So
0: okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I love having conversations. I have uh, I have a personal booking link, which is torlando.periodic.site. You can go online, just type that in, you know, if you're listening, just pull out your phone, type in, in your uh, URL bar. Well, let's
1: spell it out. So that way it's real clear. So, cause yep. they may not know how to spell Torlando.
2: It's, it's just like it sounds T-O-R-L-A-N-D-O dot periodic which is p-e-r-i-o-d-i-c dot site s-i-t-e perfect Uh, you can go on there uh you can see that that is our app right there that's that's our app so you go to you go to my personal booking page uh type in your information select a time uh we'll have a 20-minute conversation uh i i keep it open um you know my goal is is uh really just to hear more about your you know your business what you what you're doing what uh what nail you're, you know, pounding your head against. Um, if I <laughs> solve can help, the problems. <laughs> yeah, solve a problem, right? If I can help with something that I have, then, then that might be good. But if I know somebody else who, because I mean, this is, I'm in the business of, of meeting people. So if, if I know somebody who might have a solution or, or I can point you in the right direction or I can get you in a, a group, uh, like a Zoom group or something like that, uh, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, so, so that's, that's the best way to, to learn, uh, just to see periodic in action, but also just to, to have a conversation with me, I'd, I'd love to have it.
1: Perfect. All right. So last question then, and we'll put that in the notes, by the way. So if you missed it, we'll definitely make sure that it's in the show notes. So if you can go back to that, uh, last question. And I always save this because I, I like to hear your genuine response rather than having it planned. So I, I didn't script this and I didn't send it to you before, but here's, here's the question. What would be your number one book? when it comes to either leadership or personal development and if you had to pick one what would be the first one and then inevitably people in the audience they always go back and they say i can't just give you one i got to give you this one and this one or (laughs) i gotta (laughs) so and that's perfectly fine but i'm i I, i'm a reader i love learning and i like to hear the recommendations we did and i'll I'll give you one more second to think about it we did mention about the five um five levels of leadership by John Maxwell. So we mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but um, that
2: can't be my, that can't be my choice. (laughs) Uh,
1: Maybe. (laughs)
2: Uh, Well, okay. So, I mean, I I definitely would recommend that. Um, He has another one called uh, uh, good leaders ask great questions. Um, I I definitely recommend that. Um, But I also, uh, I think dare to lead by Brene Brown would be a really uh, excellent book for, for a leader um, in particular, because human relationships um, they're just so, they're just so delicate and Complex. so. They, <laughs> they really are can, yeah. Yeah. They really are. And, and Brene teaches about shame and vulnerability in ways that I think are really, uh, really powerful. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, ha- I'm, I have this, you know, kind of interesting perspective in that I come from uh, my entire career being a business owner, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the extent that I thought, oh, I would never be able to be an employee or a number two or number three or whatever. I would never be able to do that. I'm, I'm virtually unemployable. And I, and I think a lot of, you know, CEOs and entrepreneurs might feel that way. Um, but just because of that hard reset, I, I, I had to I had to change. Yeah. You know, I had to go oh, back okay. into, into employment. I'm not, not even back. I never, I never really had a job. I was, I've, you know, pretty much always been an entrepreneur. And what I did not realize was how much power I had as a CEO. Oh. I did not realize that when people come into my office and present something, if I, if I so much as go, mm, that sends the the other person into a space of, you know, self doubt and worry and mm-hmm. backtracking and and all of the stuff that like you don't see it, but in their mind they had they had done all this work to prepare, and then you you offer you know, you throw it. in your little miss and you squash it you do, and so I think I think reading uh, Brene Brown can really help leaders to uh, develop the the level of of empathy and the vulnerability uh, that they need to be able to have a more open. Uh, uh, work culture. And I think openness is, is the most important thing that you can have as a leader, being able to be wrong, being able to be vulnerable, uh, being able to share what's going on in, in your life, as well as them being able to share, just having this two way, you know, equalizing conversation. So, so critical as a leader.
1: Absolutely. Man. Absolutely loved it. Well, man, thank you so much there's so much stuff on here and I, I I mean obviously as the audience I really truly hope that you guys were listening. Maybe you have to go back and re-listen to a couple of the little segments and things. But um absolutely know this has been phenomenal. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for coming on, sharing all of the cool things on this. Um man, I I'd like to keep talking, but I know people are gonna be like tuning <laughs> out, they're gonna be like <laughs> yeah. but it is it is really good. So Until next time, we shall see you guys, enjoy the day, make it a great day and make sure that you implement or you add one thing to your life based on what you've heard. And then once you do, send us a message, let us know. We want to hear about your success. We want to hear about your growth. So until next time, we'll see you guys. Wanted to say thanks again for joining into our conversation. You know, one of the things that I've seen across the board, whether you're a business leader, owner, Entrepreneur, or even a leader, is the struggles that we go through and feeling like we're all alone. We've created a class, a workshop type class called Mentor Mind, where we meet for six months. In that six months, you're able to meet and talk with other people that are going through much of the same situation, same scenarios, same challenges, and it gives us a great way to be able to connect, grow, support, and encourage each other. And if you've often felt like there's no one else that you can share with, let me invite you to mentor mine where you can share some of the challenges come up with solutions and be able to live the best life that you have we'll talk soon guys